You are now listening to the Inner Circle Podcast Network. Get them titties out. Get them kitties out. Get them cooters out. Get them pooters out. Shit happens when you party naked. Shit happens when you party naked. Get them titties out. Get them kitties out. Get them cooters out. Get them pooters out. Shit happens when you party. Naked. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and honored guests. We're very happy to be here this evening to honor a very wonderful man, a man which we all love so very much. It is I, the man that that woman is speaking of, is none other than myself, Lord, Dr. Jason motherfucking Almy, Esquire. Welcome to Shit Happens When You Party Naked, You Bunch of Spooky Bitches. That is, tonight, this week, spooky shit happens when you party naked in a graveyard at midnight, in a haunted house, on Elm Street. All that fun Halloween shit. And we got an episode for you. We, we do. We have a really lovely, wonderful, special Halloween-themed episode for you today. And it's brought to you appropriately by none other than Liquid Death. Bottled water from the Austrian Alps in an infinitely recyclable can. Because plastic bottles are not as recyclable as you think they are. You think they're recyclable. You don't feel bad throwing a plastic bottle in the bin. You should feel bad. Because plastic bottles are a bitch and a half to recycle. And the the content, the recycled content of a plastic bottle is super fucking low. Go Google it. You will be surprised when you learn. Cans, aluminum, is much more recyclable than bottles. So you should be drinking your water out of cans, period. Fuck you. Plus, when you drink your your bottled water out of a tall boy can with liquid skulls on them, you're going to look a fuck ton cooler than some soy boy drinking fucking Evian or some pussy shit like that. Now I'm saying? I'll be caught dead with that. Looking bottle shit. Probably filling your body, filling your bloodstream full of BPA. You know, that shit turns you into a lady boy, man. That shit will just wither your natural hormones right out of you. You just piss that shit right out. You don't want that. Liquid Death has the best water. They got the sickest merch, too. Look, go check out liquiddeath.com. Check out all the shit they got. They got fucking, they got a poster that just went back on sale. It's their final printing of this poster, and it's styled to look just like this 1980s direct-to-video kind of schlocky horror, but it's it's a badass poster for their their uh, bottled water, their canned water. Hear this sound right here? That is the sound of uh, Liquid Death Tallboy hitting the fucking podcast table, the shit happens table. Uh, I'm drinking that shit right now, and you should be too. Go to liquiddeath.com, order some water, order some merch, use the code PARTYNAKED at checkout. You'll get 10% off your order. So don't be a bitch and go murder your fucking thirst, please, okay? Liquiddeath.com. 
Today, we are going to be joined by best-selling local author and television personality, creator and owner and queen shit of New England Curiosities, Miss Roxy J. Zwicker will be joining us. We're going to talk all about Halloween spooky shit. She does uh, all sort of really cool things through New England Curiosities. She does graveyard tours. She's moved into a virtual space given the whole COVID thing. She's still rolling. The, 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 the company's still uh, rocking and rolling in the graveyards. You can follow her virtually from around the country as she tours Salem. She does Salem tours, uh, offers a ton of other stuff, um, fortune-telling palm reading, seances, uh, all sort of shit, and all sort of just really cool, spooky Halloween shit, very appropriate for Halloween. But she does it all year long. You know what I'm saying? So if, you've, if you find your way to Portsmouth at some point, I'm sure you might wind up joining one of her tours. They're awesome. And there's a ton of like really cool historical stuff to to check out when you're when you're here in New England. And with the virtual tours, you can doesn't matter where you are. You could be in Canada, you could be in Mexico, you could be in China and you could follow along one of her tours. It, it would be uh, very cool if you do. So, we'll be talking to uh Roxy shortly about her projects, what she's got going on and some of her spooky kind of Halloween themed experiences and I'm I'm really fucking I'm wicked excited about it. Um first Though I, I thought I would kill a little time while waiting on Roxy to uh, talk about a couple things been on my mind lately, uh, especially with it being Halloween coming right up. The big thing that I've been seeing all over the place is the trick-or-treating. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? What's going on with uh, municipalities? Are they endorsing it? Or are they telling people not to go? I don't know what's going on in your region of the country. Uh, where I'm from, Atlanta. That's where I grew up. That's where I went trick-or-treating all my young formative years was in uh, was in suburbs of the metro Atlanta area. So places like Marietta, Roswell, um, just regular old suburban type neighborhoods that you would see in that type of area. And um, they were perfect places for trick-or-treating because a neighborhood would have, I don't know, shit, some of these neighborhoods were big. They'd have 50, 100 houses in them maybe. I mean, if you felt like walking all that way, you could hit, you could fill up a pillowcase full of candy easy. So as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, it was perfect. You know, you had a, a ton of ton of houses to hit. You could go out and in an hour or two, you could come back with a big old fucking haul of shit. And we always celebrated Halloween on Halloween. That was never a question. Whatever day Halloween happened to fall on, it was always the 31st, you know, and every year it falls on a different day. It moves around. That's how it works. So whether it was a Monday, we'd go trick-or-treating on a Monday. And sure, you'd have school that day. You'd Half the time we'd dress up at school. It was a ton of fun. You'd go to school dressed up in whatever costume you had. And then that evening, you'd go trick-or-treating. It was, you know, you made a whole day of it. So even if it was a school day, it was awesome. Even better if it was like a Friday or Saturday. Holy shit, you know, forget about it. But um, since moving to New England, I live here in New Hampshire, but since moving to New England, I have noticed that the municipalities up here treat Halloween a little bit differently. They sort of endorse different nights to go out trick-or-treating. So, uh, like, they'll say things like, oh, Halloween is on the 29th this year because the 29th is a Friday or something like that. And it always confused me because I was like, well, Halloween is the 31st. That's kind of like saying we're going to do Christmas on the 23rd this year. It's like, you can. I mean, no one's going to stop you from celebrating. I'm not going to stop you from 
doing Christmas on, um, I don't know, March the 3rd, right? But, you know, it's just not what everybody does. And I noticed that up here, the the uh, municipalities would endorse a day and say, this is the day that we're going to uh, do the trick-or-treating. And trick-or-treating, maybe it wasn't Halloween is on the 29th this year, but we're going to do trick-or-treating on the 29th because the 29th is a Friday or whatever. We don't want to do it on a weeknight or whatever the deal. Uh, they have their reasons, I guess, and it sort of makes sense, but then it sort of doesn't because it's like, 31st is Halloween. You go trick-or-treating on Halloween. Why the fuck would you go trick-or-treating like three days into November or like four days before Halloween? It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. I I don't like it. I like going on the 31st and I don't give a fuck what day it is. I mean, one year it's going to be on a fucking Tuesday and another year it's going to be on a Saturday. It's going to be perfect. But, uh, you know, that's just the luck of the draw and that's how, that's how it goes. So with the COVID thing, obviously it's like, it's like all bets are off. There's been a lot of uh, of like hullabaloo on some of the like message boards for municipalities, local municipalities in my area. Are they going to allow trick or treating? Are they not going to allow trick or treating? And then a lot of people will comment both ways. You know, some people will say you shouldn't go trick or treating. It's dangerous. You're going to possibly expose these young children to a potential COVID outbreak. Do you want to get these kids sick? And I don't think anybody, I don't think any responsible adult, even the ones that do want to go trick-or-treating or take their kids trick-or-treating, they don't want to get their kids sick. And then the other side is, um, you know, the COVID thing's been going on long enough and it's ruined a lot of things for people. It's curtailed travel. It's had effects on families. It's had effects on kids. And why not let them have Halloween? Let them go trick-or-treating. It's an hour or two. They get to dress up. Let them go get a little bit of candy, and then they they have a thing. You know, make a thing of it. Don't take Halloween away from them too. So, the first thing uh, that I'm thinking is that if you're not going trick or treating, I hope you haven't been through a drive through in the last seven months, because uh, otherwise you're a fucking hypocrite. The fact of the matter is, if you've been through a drive through, you've essentially gone trick or treating. You've gone trick or treating for cheeseburgers or uh, diabetes, what you're going to wind up getting. Uh, but you're, you're doing essentially the same thing. You're, you're, you're going up to a window, you roll down your window, you reach your arm out, you hand them your card. They reach their arm out. They take the card. Same thing happens when it comes time to get your food and then you move on. And people are doing that every day. People have been doing that every day since practically the start of the pandemic. People have been going through, I've, I've driven through, uh, I've driven past uh, drive-throughs that are completely packed, like wrapped around the building. And it's probably exacerbated by the fact that none of the buildings are actually open. So people that would normally go in and sit down and have a meal are having to go through the drive-thru because that's the only option. But the, the fact of the matter is uh, these restaurants are staying open, restaurants with drive-thrus, that is. Takeout, same thing. Uh, I've ordered pizza. I've ordered Chinese since the pandemic began and people bring it to the door and they say, oh, it's contactless delivery. We'll set it down and then we'll walk far away and we'll watch you open the door like a creeper and get your pizza, whatever. I mean, you touched it. You walked over to my door. You you, you set the pizza down. I'm trusting it to, to be okay. I'm trusting that the chef who prepared it and put it through the oven uh, doesn't have COVID. It was in your fucking car for 10 minutes or whatever while you drove it over here. I'm trusting that that shit's fumigated. Trust me, they're not fucking fumigating the car. You, your pizza delivery person, they're not cleaning that shit up. 
Do you ever look inside a pizza delivery person's car? It's a fucking wreck. It's a wreck of fu- fucking wrecks. It's, it's the worst thing you've ever seen. Forget about it. So I don't see fundamentally a difference between a, a brief encounter at a two arms length, one and a half arms length different distance from another human being to get food versus candy. I don't, I don't, fundamentally, I don't see a difference. You got a person standing at the window at a McDonald's drive through handing out Big Macs, uh, chicken nuggets, French fries, diabetes and heart disease all day, right? For an entire shift, eight hours, they're standing there and they're handing food off to how many hundreds of strangers might go through a drive-thru in a day. I've never worked at a fast food restaurant, so I have no idea what uh, one shift, how many customers you're going to see at a drive-thru over the course of a shift. But I have to imagine that it is far more than the number of trick-or-treaters that you're going to get in a two- to three-hour window where trick-or-treating is kind of happening. And at any rate, trick-or-treating occurs in the open air. You're, you're inside until they ring the door. Then you open the door, right? No one's coming in. Those little fuckers are standing on the welcome mat. They're a couple of feet in front of your door. They hold the, the candy bag out. Imagine the kid, right? They, they hold out their pail or their, their, their bag at arm's length. They've got to be an arm's length at least away from you. You stand at the threshold of your door, just barely inside, and you hand them the candy. You put the candy in the back, right? And you extend your arm to do so. You're not like dropping the candy down your tits and letting it roll into the bag. The candy's not really making much physical contact with you. Your hand touches it when you put it in. You could let those little fuckers reach in and grab it, but then that requires them to get a little closer. You're holding it out, right? You're putting the candy in the bag. They're standing at least... I don't know, three, four feet away from you. It's not the six feet that they recommend, but still pretty good. You're not hugging them. You're not shaking their hand even. I mean, who fucking shakes hands when it comes time to exchange candy at trick or treat? You're not doing that. You just fucking, you, you, for two seconds, you put the, the candy in the bag, you tell them happy Halloween and they move the fuck on. Meanwhile, the whole time they're breathing outside air. You're not in any kind of closed confined space with them where the air is going to be recycled, right? You're not having to sit next to this little fucker in the middle seat of a, of a flight across the country for five hours, breathing the, the recycled air in the fucking giant Pringles can that floss. What I'm saying is as far as the social distancing requirement goes, it's going to be pretty fucking close to recommendations for that matter. For the trick-or-treaters themselves, they're trick-or-treating with a couple of siblings, maybe one parent, you know, they're not in huge bands of people. It's not like a huge outdoor concert where they're shoulder to shoulder with strangers. They're exchanging drinks. They're fucking passing a joint around. Everybody's lips go on the same marijuana cigarette and there's a jazz going. And then everybody starts 69 and pulling their clothes off and everybody's inside of everybody else. It's not like that. It's a couple of kids and their dad or the mom. And they're fucking walking down the street. They're like 10 feet, 20 feet away from everybody. Even if they pass somebody, hey, how you doing? Happy Halloween. And you keep moving. They're five, six, seven feet away as they walk down the road. They're not getting close to anybody else that they don't already share a fucking residence with. So uh, I don't really see, again, I don't see a fundamental difference between what you're doing and uh, the 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 drive-through. 
the mask is on brand. People are wearing masks. I mean, you can wear a mask. Dress your kid up as like a fucking surgeon. You inside, dress up as a surgeon. What you do, you go get some cheap scrubs. You get a couple of those surgeon-looking masks, and you get a fucking hairnet deal, right? Put on some latex gloves, spray the thing with blood, and now you're actually wearing PPE, a little bit of fake blood on it or whatever, and look, I look like a surgeon. It's a perfectly good Halloween costume. Now you're wearing gloves and a mask to hand out candy or to accept candy if you're a young trick-or-treater. So you can already build that shit into the costume, all right? So it may be that trick-or-treating is less safe than going down into your own basement and walling yourself up with bricks like your motherfucking Fortunato in the cask of Purilato. But if a pizza delivery guy can come ring your door and give you a pizza that he swears is COVID-free, made by a pizza owl, named Adam Simmons, who definitely has never had COVID, washes his hands religiously, and certainly would never ejaculate into the dough, even though you're fairly certain the reason your pizza was 20 minutes late is because the chef was having a hard time getting erection after already coming on the last guy's pizza, then I think you can safely hand out a few fun-sized goobers, which coincidentally is the nickname that all of your former lovers have given your penis to mock you behind your back, you short-dicked motherfucker. So just look. If you don't want to do the, the trick-or-treat thing, fucking close all your window shades, turn all the lights out outside, but leave a sign out in front of your yard saying, Al-Hak bar, we don't celebrate your, your fucking uh, infidel holidays, fuck off, and people will fuck off. If you want to do the trick-or-treat thing and you want to give away some candy, put a few uh, Halloween-themed decorations out, a couple jack-o'-lanterns, turn your lights on, and... Hopefully the kids will come. Hopefully the kids will be able to enjoy their Halloween. I'm 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 getting off my soapbox on that bullshit though. Okay. I'm fucking I'm I'm done bitching about that. I don't got a problem with whatever you want to do. If you want to trick-or-treat, trick-or-treat. If you don't want to trick-or-treat because it's it you want to be more conservative than that, fine. But if you take the second route, if you say that I'm being irresponsible for encouraging people to trick-or-treat, or if you want to say that parents are being irresponsible for taking their children out trick-or-treating, but you've been to a drive through in the last seven months, please, please, please bend all the way over and eat your own ass. You kids, get off my lawn. But if you come up to my door, you can get some candy one other thing I want to mention, I think we're going to be talking to Roxy here real soon, but one other thing I wanted to mention was just a short rant. Um, I think it was, it must have been yesterday morning uh, or, or mid-morning, early afternoon maybe. The time doesn't really matter. Um, although it was daytime, it wasn't late at night, so it, it probably bears, it bears mentioning that it was during the day, the daylight hours. Um, young people would have been awake and quite possibly would have been watching TV during this time. That's why I mentioned the time. So I'm, I'm like, um, I'm doing some shit in the basement. I'm cleaning up. I'm, um, you know, I'm just putzing around and I've got the television on because background noise, it's kind of good. And, um, I've got it on AMC. They do the fright fest every October. You can catch some kind of, um, cool 80s you know uh i like the cheesy 80s horror maybe not super cheesy but you know like the shitty like halloween 4 is just a shit sequel it's a movie that really should never have been made if we're talking about the quality of films but it's just i don't know it's it's like it came out in 1988 i i was young it makes it kind of magical the the um friday the 13th sequels same bucket right just kind of like not a good horror film in the way that um 
Nosferatu by Warner Herzog from the 70s is a stellar horror film. These are just schlocky films. No one's going to talk about how they're uh, photographed, the cinematography or the writing, the dialogue. They're not going to talk about any of this. They're not going to talk about the editing choices that convey uh, subtle meanings and, and character intent. No one's talking about that shit. You're just watching the the, the fucking shit because you're drinking on Halloween or you're young and you got nothing else to do. You're eating your candy and it's like nine o'clock and you're watching the fucking Halloween four or five, or whatever. So Halloween six was on. I think it was Halloween six. The curse of Michael Myers. The curse of Michael Myers. Um, in, in that film... At one point, I'm not very well versed with the film. I've never actually sat down to watch it all the way through. I've only caught bits and pieces when it was on TV uh, on Halloween time, uh, doing something similar to what I was doing uh, the other day, yesterday. And um, at one point, Michael Myers catches a guy, like the guy goes down to his basement to fix the fuses or whatever. Obviously, Michael like pulls the fuses, so the guy's like, all the lights go out, and the guy's like, oh, shit, I better go down to the basement and check the fuses, which is exactly what Michael was planning on you doing he, he knew you would go check the fuses so he's drawing you into his trap and you're watching this like oh this guy's about to get he's about to be the next dude to get whacked out by michael myers which is of course true and uh obviously it's, it's painfully obvious and you didn't need to be any kind of uh film theorist with a degree in film studies like myself to actually notice that that was going to happen i mean any any idiot, any chimpanzee uh, with a walnut brain watching knows this guy's about to get whacked out by Michael Myers. Uh, so he goes, he fiddles with the the the, um, the fuses, still nothing's working. Oh my God, what's that behind me? Turns around, boom, Michael like stabs him in the gut, I guess, real quick, but like lifts him up and like puts him up against, I don't know, the breakers or something. I don't know what kind of exposed uh, electric wiring this guy had in his basement but it seems like a tremendous hazard that i don't think any like city planner would approve i don't really think i don't think you could buy or sell a house with this type of exposed wiring because what what proceeds to happen is that as soon as michael like jams the guy up against the wall the the you know electric whatever the guy starts to be electrocuted so he's stabbed in the gut he's still alive and he's he's being electrocuted he's shaking violently this scene goes on for several seconds in fact it cuts away to the outside of the house so you can see like all the lights going off and then it cuts back into the house so you can see the foam is literally coming out of this guy's mouth he's foaming at the mouth because he's being electrocuted and his insides are literally literally cooking right and he's writhing he's foaming he's screaming michael's just standing there completely i don't know how you can hold somebody i mean the reason why they have a two by four to knock people away from a, a, an electrical socket when they're getting uh, electrified is because you don't actually want to put your hands on the guy to pull him away because you'll get fucking electrocuted too so you need a two by four to whack the guy so that you can get him off of whatever's uh, electrocuting him and whack him away Michael, for some reason, he's standing there holding the guy up against the thing that's electrocuting him with enough watts to make him foam at the mouth, literally cooking him on the inside, smoke's coming out of his ears, and then his fucking head explodes. I shit you not, this is on AMC, right? This is on AMC, regular cable, anybody with the most basic cable package, I'm not talking about like the four channels you get that come through the airwaves, but anybody with even the cheapest cable DSL, any, you know, satellite, whatever you got, YouTube TV is what I happen to have. I don't have cable 
or satellite. I've got YouTube TV, but I have the most basic YouTube TV package. I don't pay for any extra channels. And uh, Comcast, Charter, I don't give a fuck whatever you got. You got AMC if you got the most basic. I know you do. People will be watching fucking Walking Dead on this station all the time. So I guess it shouldn't be a surprise. They show what, and this is a channel that that broadcasts Walking Dead, for Christ's sake, but the man's head completely explodes. I mean, it blows up right in front of the camera. I mean, it's a, it's a close-up shot. It's what we call a tight shot. It's, it's his clavicles up, so his head fills the entire screen as it explodes. Again, this is, I don't know, 11 a.m., it might have been as late as 2 p.m., but I want to say it was probably closer to noon. So again, most of your children are awake, quite possibly could be watching television, could even maybe be watching AMC. Not that I'm a prude or anything. I've got a 14-month-old, and I routinely say fuck in front of her. And that's, I honestly, I know it's not right. I don't want her to say fuck, but... Honestly, I got to clean up my act a little bit. Look, I'm not sitting her down to watch a movie where a person's head explodes. My wife pulled the head off of one of her baby dolls that goes in the bath with her. It's one of these ones that you can like undress or whatever and came with like a little bathtub and stuff. She actually, at 14 months old, she knows how to like wipe the baby. She gets a little rag and she's like bathing the baby doll. She's like wiping her down a little bit. It's clumsy. She's not coordinated at yet, but it's amazing that she knows to do that. My wife pulled the head off to drain it one night and she just didn't realize like Evelyn, my daughter, our daughter was looking at her and she didn't realize that it would be like traumatic. We just think, you know, you pop the head off, you pour the water out, you pop the head back on. Uh, Of course, Evelyn flips out. Uh, Mom just decapitated her baby doll, just pulled the fucking head right off. The kid flips out. The kid, oh my God, you just killed it in front of me. I'm not going to sit her down to watch a psychopath blowing this guy's head up and she's not going to find the channel on her own at 14 months. But if you got a three-year-old, if you got a four-year-old, if you got a five-year-old six, I don't know, maybe the same story. What I thought was funny, and I'm not here to rant about AMC shouldn't be showing heads exploding. Do you AMC? If that's what you want to do, Hey, I'm not offended. I don't give a fuck. But what was funny to me is in the very next scene, one of the characters is like this. I don't know if he's like a TV personality or something like that. He's some kind of big shot. And he's talking about the old Myers house and he proceeds to call Michael Myers a pussy. Part of that is setting up his uh, impending death. He, He died about two minutes later. Michael Myers killed him. But the, the fact is AMC uh, saw fit to bleep the word pussy when he calls Michael Myers a pussy. He says that pussy Michael Myers, but they bleep the word pussy. So that's really the thing that I noticed. It wasn't so much that anyone's child at noon could be watching a man's head explode uh, on television on any basic cable channel, not even like HBO or some shit. I mean, who these kids all have smartphones. I mean, they've probably seen um, miles of black cock on 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 Twitter being run into a tiny white girl. Uh, that I mean, I had to wait till I was in my twenties to to catch that kind of action. So I don't know what the kids have seen and what they haven't seen. I just think that the contradiction, the juxtaposition between AMC executives saying "Ooh, pussy," I don't know, we're gonna bleep that. The guy's head exploding. Yeah, it's fine. It's no big deal. It's, it's a Halloween movie, right? The guy's head's got to explode. But uh, the next scene, the guy calls Michael Myers a pussy. You know, I don't really want the kids to get the wrong impression, so we should probably edit the word pussy because, you know, you might offend somebody with the word pussy, uh, but not certainly no one is going to be offended when uh, a man's head explodes 
all over the screen. So I, I found that to be pretty, um, I don't know, it was just kind of felt like a contradiction to me. And it feels like I just noticed those things. I wouldn't have noticed the guy's head exploding if it hadn't been for the fact that they bleeped the word pussy not two minutes later. So anyway, fuck it. We got Roxy Zwicker on the phone. I want to talk to her about New England curiosities. I want to talk to her about um, ghosts. I want to talk to her about hauntings. I want to talk to her about like, what are, are there ghosts watching me right now? I'm alone right now as I record this. Are there ghosts watching me right now? I don't know. We're about to find out. I got Roxy Zwicker on the line. Let's go over to her and say, what's up? Hi, how are you? I'm good. How's it going? Not going bad at all. I cannot complain. I'm in, I'm in my studio. I got my microphone hot. I got my giant skull tapestry behind me like it's a college dorm room. Uh, I got my vibe going. I'm in the zone. How are you doing? Nice. I'm doing good. Awesome. 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 Well, um, we can just jump in and get going. Um, I think the first thing that I had wanted to ask you about is, uh, I guess, explain to the audience uh, who you are and what is it that you do? <laughs> well, how much time do we have? <laughs> I understand that's a huge question that that could be like a whole life story, but um, maybe like the Stephen King length version and not the Dostoevsky length version, maybe. <laughs> but like, obviously it's Halloween time. This is our Halloween episode. And this is like the time of year that even normal people, normies are getting into the spooky shit. I know your spooky shit 365, but um, you know, all of us more basic folks are like, Hey, look, there's an orange leaf and uh, pumpkin spices back at Starbucks. Let's, let's get into spooky season. I need to watch the Halloween movie and hocus pocus. But like for you, this is obviously it's much more of a lifestyle. It's a much more of an occupation. So I think the very first thing that hits me when I read about somebody like Roxy Zwicker online, I'm like, how do you get into this as uh, an occupation? Like, did you have a counselor in high school that was like, hey, you know what? I think you'd be really good at doing some ghost tours and talking to some dead people. You know, like my guidance counselor sucked. My guidance counselor was like, you could be a janitor. I don't like the sound of that. Well, you could, uh, you could be a park ranger. Okay. That's a little bit better. I like nature. That's cool. I don't want to get mauled to death by a bear, but so, you know, like how do you get, how does a young Roxy Zwicker get like turned on to the type of things that you're into? Like the, the paranormal, like divination, the occult, witchcraft, magic, all of this stuff. Your, 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 your resume is tremendous. Your CV is huge. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's really a combination of um, a couple of major things. So I grew up in the 1970s and 80s at a time, don't do the math, and at a time when you <laughs> couldn't go down the street and buy a deck of tarot cards. It was a little bit more hidden. People didn't want to talk mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Um, I was really lucky because I had all sorts of esoteric books in my house. My mom was into it. Okay. And, you know, kind of let me play around with incense and, you know, read some of these books. And okay. I actually found it very interesting. I thought it was kind of cool. And, you know, it's one of those things, well, nobody else is doing it. You know, what's this mm -hmm. all about type of thing. Um, but I also found that it worked, like, you know, doing readings and stuff like that. Uh, I as I started doing them for my friends, they were like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't know about this. And then like two weeks later, they're like, so, you know, the shit you just told me, uh, it totally happened. Mm. Like, well, there's something to it. So it was uh, it was something that I just continued to develop. I used to go 
to uh, Salem as a kid. You know, I was born in Boston. I grew up in cool. Western Mass. I'm on the New Hampshire seacoast now. And it was so cool to uncover this whole mysterious world. You know, I was watching like TV shows like In Search Of and, you know, learning all about cool stuff on field trips in school. And I was always a kid. I was raising their hand, asking the question, was this place haunted? And, <laughs> And, you know, it's, it's that annoying kid. You're about to, you know, leave the building yeah. and everybody all wants to go to lunch and hang out yeah. with their friends. And I'm like, come on, tell me one more story. And amazingly, some people would actually share ghost stories with me. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, you know, that's that's wicked awesome. So, you know, something that you don't always expect. And I had a spiritual, just asking you to keep your mind open, uh, experience when I was about 10 years old. And okay. I thought there was a girl in the playground who lived in a building I didn't know about in um, the apartment complex that I lived in. And one day my mom's like, so, you know, you're talking to somebody that's not there. And I'm mm. like, what are you talking about? Like, no, she is there. And she's like, no, there's uh, nobody that you're talking to. So... Went back and was really, really surprised to find out that about 30 years previous before the property was developed, it was a farm, and she had drowned in the pond that was near our building. Oh, shit. So, yeah. So, it was really, really sobering um, to realize that the person that I've been talking to isn't of this world. And yeah. um, I I also had a, a massive love of libraries at the time. We had this great library called the Forbes Library. Went and checked out the story. And I was like, wow, this place is really cool. And um, I, made, I made a horrifying mistake right after that. I, um, I saw her again and I told her that she couldn't be alive um, because mm. I had read that she died. And she was gone and I didn't see her again. And I didn't, you know, realize, you know, that probably was not the best thing to say. You probably and, just like booted her to the other side. She was like, Oh shit. I thought I was one of you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I didn't know it at the time, you know, I was, you know, like 10, 11 years old. So flash forward to now I'm in my twenties and the best job interview I ever went on was one where they asked me to scream at the top of my lungs. And I was like, <laughs> I want to work here forever, forever. Yeah. And um, it was uh, it was a haunted hayride job oh, in uh, Car okay. Carver, Massachusetts. I thought you were going to be an accountant or something. They're like, you know, in order to work at this company, we're going to need you to scream at the top of your lungs. <laughs> Well, so it makes sense. Accounting can make you scream. It can. I just don't think you're supposed to do it in the office while firing a gun at your coworkers and like let your hair down and half drunk midday. I think they frown on that in the office place. Well, there are laws. Yeah, that's which is too bad. I really, I would like to, I would like to um, uh, protest against all of those. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, no, I, I have been, um, working a regular, actually I worked a couple jobs. I've, you know, worked since I was 18. Mm. However, um, in my twenties, I wanted to pick up a job for the fall and this was the, the perfect opportunity to go and do something really fun and to learn about some of the local folklore. So it was really neat is the route that we went through on the wagon ride went through cranberry bogs. You know, we're down there, cranberry country, and we got to tell like the coolest local legends and stories. Mm. And um, it seemed like the job was going to like last forever. It was like the coolest group of people 
to hang out with. And like, they literally did like hang from like their feet from the trees. And we had the guy with the chainsaw that oh, chased awesome. us on the wagon, like all that really, nice. you know, the, the stuff of life right there that you yeah. love all that real scary stuff. That good shit. I mean, it, if you yeah. have to sign a waiver of liability before you go on the haunted hayride or the haunted house, I dig it. I don't want some shit where I'm, I, I'm like guaranteed not to hurt myself. I want some shit where there's a little bit of risk. <laughs> well, it was, um, it was really cool. And, you know, we, we weren't without, uh, you know, our late nights of craziness and, you know, full wagons of people that just left the bar. So it, oh, was, um, <laughs> it got really wild the, the later in the evening that it got, but I can imagine all of us that work there, we had a ball. I mean, we were, we were like a family man. It was awesome. And, um, a few years later I did that for, um, for several years, uh, the state of Massachusetts took the property for eminent domain. Uh, they were expanding the highway. And unfortunately, that was uh, the end of that job. So do you get like, uh, if you if you snatch somebody's, you know, some some land and you say, look, sorry, guys, eminent domain, we got to build a highway here. Like, I understand what the living people like yourself do in that, in that situation, in that instance, but like, what do the ghosts do? What are the little girls that you might have played with on the playground do? Are they just like, fuck, I guess I'm just going to haunt this, this left lane. The HOV lane is mine. I'm going to haunt the <laughs> HOV lane. And, you know, every now and then I'll like ectoplasm one of them drivers coming through here or something. But, you know, like I'll, I'm going to haunt this toll booth. I'm going to haunt this HOV lane and I'll, I'll get this little stretch of highway. I mean, I imagine that that wouldn't be as fun as having some really old ass uh, house to haunt or some shit. You know, what do you do if you're the ghost and you, you just... My whole my whole haunting ground is like a highway now. It's bumper to bumper at five o'clock on Spalding. Well, this is uh, Route Forty Four, and Route Forty Four is uh, you know it's just a long straight straight away to get you down to uh, Plymouth on the South Shore. There's no. nothing terribly spectacular about that road, and uh, it just it. I still miss it. I go down there from time to time and yeah. I'm like, you know, man, do I have to pull over the breakdown lane to reminisce now? It's just, it's just not the same. It's not the same. And then you, you know, you pull over into the breakdown lane to reminisce. And just as you're starting to have that wistful nostalgia wash over you looking around, you're like, there's cans. There's, is that a used condom? What the fuck people, <laughs> you know? And you're like, this is my, this means this space means something to me. You don't, you're not supposed to pull over here to shotgun natural ice and have sex people this is there's a ghost right there i don't know i i would have a big problem with that yeah it's definitely it's a it's a weird feeling now but you know that's that's progress it's new it England. It, you know things things are constantly being built and old pathways that we're used to are you know being yeah. built with condos and all sorts of stuff and it makes and me things think, change yeah it makes me think what you said things change it makes me think like uh, i got my first college degree actually my first two college degrees in athens georgia which is the university of georgia hometown um i'm of course up here in new england now i'm attending university of new hampshire but um i did get my first two degrees down there and and uh i still got a lot of family in georgia and every time i go back for a visit i'll sometimes like every few years go back to Athens to try to visit, you know, check out some of my favorite restaurants and get those flavors that I can't get up here or whatever. And it's just, sometimes you'll just see the way a place has changed. And not only will it kind of fuck with your brain a little bit, cause you're like that building wasn't there, but it's also kind of like a reminder, like you can't go back. Like the past is gone to some extent. Like if, if they've knocked down the building and, and paved over it, 
you can't, there's no way you can't even like reminisce. It's just gone. It's a, it's a parking deck now. Do you feel like that's also a metaphor for like, you're bumping into ghosts as a kid on the playground. And it's like that ghost can't go back either. She's wandering around this playground, wondering where the hell her farmhouse is. It's like, is that part of this? Um, I don't know for anybody who does believe in the ghostly stuff. Is that part of these like uh, ghostly spirits kind of like hanging around these quote hauntings? I mean, is it like a, a wishfulness to kind of go back or, or to be in the place that, you know, I think it's a combination of things. I think sometimes, you know, the the past definitely reaches out to us living to remind us that, you know, there was somebody here before, you know, we built this modern building, that there was history that was here that's been lost or forgotten when they've torn this place down. But I also think, and I've, you know, I've kind of taken it on as my own personal responsibility and, you know, kind of, you know, I don't want to say my mission, but it kind of is my mission to to tell these stories, to give us a context yeah. of of where we are. I mean, you know, it's it's New England. I'm up here in, you know, Portsmouth. It's 1623. You know, it's yeah. there's so much that's here. And the Isles of Shoals, people who we were charting in the 1500s, there's, there's so much that is so deep around us. I think it's understanding that there's still an energy that's there, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call that. And I think when I saw that happen where I was working, I was like, oh my God, you know, this is, this is crazy. And um, I, I kind of took what I knew up here to the seacoast, um, you know, when I moved here just over 20 years ago and we had our local lighthouse, Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved lighthouses. You know, I was a little bit landlocked in Western Mass. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this place is just amazing. The ocean's there, you yeah. know, just all these great old houses. So I um, joined the board of directors for the lighthouse and I got this wacky idea because we needed to paint the lighthouse and do some work. I said, you know, can we do a fundraiser and I'll just go and tell ghost stories in the park. And I got permission from the town in Newcastle and people came out and to go back to the original point that you were making, people were saying, you know, my grandmother has this ghost story about this old building over there. Oh. Let me tell you about the place that used to be down there. And like people were coming out of the woodwork to say that they knew a ghost story or had they had experienced a ghost yeah. story. And I was like, oh, I think I'm onto something here. Damn, that's awesome. I mean, I I, I love history. I, I think, like, honestly, it's it's probably one of the most fascinating subjects of like um you know, it's any of any kind of like uh, education, any kind of knowledge. I mean, it's fun to, um, there's just so many stories, right? There's all different cultures, all different regions of the world. There's stories that go back. I mean, there's, there's just no end to things that can, uh, uh, stimulate your imagination and um, kind of teach you about people that came before. And that's, I mean, that's one reason why I love what you do as the historian as well. Um, and, and doing the, the historical tours to kind of help keep, this past alive because I think nowadays it's just particularly for adults, I guess it's very easy to get uh, so bogged down in work and school and kids and life. I got all three of those things. I mean, I, between work and my kid and, and school and just trying to stay afloat and all that, it's like just so easy to get like sucked into the now, but it's so important to um, it's so important to still like, acknowledge and learn from the past. And that's one thing I love about Portsmouth, especially is you go into the right building that's been standing since the 17th century, you know, and it's, 
buildings that were around when George Washington was alive, but before he was born, even that that predate the um, predate America, predate the the Revolutionary War and the founding of of the United States and stuff. And it's just crazy the vibe you get from some of that. Like you said, there's almost like that energy there that's. You don't get from a new structure. You don't get from a new, like my my podcast studio is in a relatively new office. It's not, you know, there's no, there's no like old ancient, you know, giant board running above my head that's like 400 years old piece of wood. So, I mean, I think it's awesome what you do to try to keep that, those stories relevant too, because it's just so easy to get pulled into Twitter and uh, Facebook and whatever the hell's going on and which family members not talking to somebody because they said they were going to vote for Trump or some shit, you know, and people's like, you know, just start going at each other. And it's so easy to get pulled in that bullshit. It's like, people, we got ghosts from the 1620s to deal with. All right. Let's pay attention to important shit. Okay. Presidential term is four, maybe eight years if the guy gets reelected, but let's think long-term here. All right. We're all ghosts waiting to happen in 400 years. Will I be haunting this bitch? I don't know. That's what, those are the questions that I want to answer on shit happens when you party naked, you know? Well, indeed, those are those are the burning questions. And, you know, when we say the building was particularly important, the building was, you know, built when Washington was around. We actually have some buildings in Portsmouth that Washington was in. That's awesome. It's it's amazing to me. You know, I've been doing tours of Portsmouth for 20 years, my 20th year. And I find that people come from all over the world. You know, and they're now in Portsmouth and they're looking at our history and our architecture and they're like, wow, what an amazing place to live. Like, you're so lucky to be here. And I do. And I I, honestly, I will tell you, I am grateful every damn day that I am here. I love it. However, I'll get people that are from Portsmouth on the tours and they're like, you know, well, I've lived in Portsmouth 40 years and I have no idea what this building is. And I'm like. You drive by it every day. Have you not noticed the 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 style of this building and who's been in this building? And you know, in, in Portsmouth, you've got Ben Franklin's lightning rod, you've got Paul Revere's bell, you've got John Paul Jones where he used to live, George Washington. You've like all these people that I learned about in school, which I will tell you, people ask me all the time, like, oh, you know, you must be some great historian. Like, I hated history. Names, dates, battles. Are you serious? Like, I couldn't remember one from another. However, stand me in front of that building, stand me on that site, and I can talk all day long. It's different being there than it is reading about it yeah. in a book. And it's a little like bit more said, dry from the book. Yeah, you've got to get out from, you know, behind that computer screen and just see what's in front of you and get a feel for for the land and see the way the light hits the building you know is that a ghost is that a shadow like what's the story there so does the technology that we're all so uh, just i don't slave to connected to shackled by things like our iphones our laptops that can go with us anywhere and really most of us don't ever part with these these stupid devices are just always like it's next to you. Does, and this is maybe a pet theory of my own is that I feel like the, the device doesn't help you connect to, it helps you connect to this digital world, this world of social media. Like what I just said of, of arguments and shit talk and calling names and, and all this terrible stuff. But then like, 
Do you feel like the technology holds people back from having maybe experiences like you mentioned growing up in the 80s where you were, you didn't have a phone, you didn't have a laptop, so you went out in the world, you got out in the world when you played, you weren't watching YouTube videos like my niece and nephews do all the time, and you'd get out in the world, you'd go meet a ghost. I mean, how many of these kids might have some sensitivity to the other side and don't even know it because they're just... There's no ghost in the YouTube, but uh, except for the ghost in the machine, I guess. Maybe I should take that back. But um, do you feel like the technology kind of stops people from uh, from getting out there and like connecting with like the actual vibe and the energy that's that's in the real place? Like visit the real place. Don't read about it on the internet. Get out there and go see what's in your own town because there's cool shit right down the road. Five minutes, 10 minutes. Uh, you know, I I struggle with technology, I have a very deep love hate relationship with technology. Did you just read my um, mind? I I went to college for media production, and that's oh, a lot cool. of what I find myself doing these days because we are in such a digital world. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. There's nothing like standing in an old burial ground from the 1600s, looking at the hand-carved stones, smelling the wood smoke wafting over the barrel ground from the old houses that surround it, hearing the river lapping behind you. Yeah. There's nothing like that. However, because we are in this electronic world, there there have been some, some benefits that I never you know really expected we would get to this point. I mean, I remember when I started doing my tours 20 years ago in Portsmouth, I'd stand in front of the North Church and hand out flyers. I mean, mm. here, come take my tour. And now, you know, I have a Facebook page with 12,000 people on it where I don't have to stand in the middle of town yeah. and tell mm. people about what I'm doing. And then, you know, when COVID hit, it was such, such a challenging time because our tour season was about to launch again our 20th year. And we had it. We had to stop. We couldn't do yeah. anything. I mean, we're in a people business, so I had to say to myself, "How do I keep people engaged? How do I tell the stories?" So every single Friday night for almost three months, I just get on Facebook Live and I would just sit there dressed up and tell stories. And people came from you know all around the world just to hear these stories. So if I didn't have technology. I wouldn't be able to do that, but it's still not like being in those locations. So I have that love-hate. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, I think. I, I shouldn't talk too much shit about it either because I'm sitting here recording a podcast, and how the hell are you going to listen to a podcast without a, a phone, tablet, or laptop? You know what I mean? So I can't I can't say I hate the, the devices completely, but I do think that um, for a guy who produces uh, media that's meant to be consumed by uh, the most cutting edge digital devices. Um, I do kind of, I, I like, I like the idea of like, put your phone down, you know, like get outside, go for a walk, go check out something historical, like be there, be present versus like letting the phone be a, be a distraction or pull you away. But I can see how, particularly given the, the context of this year, uh, the, the technology might be like, a saving grace for you too. I wanted to ask you, like, what did COVID do to your business this year with so much of it being tours and in-person and like there at the location? How did that logistically affect you? It, it affected me pretty severely at first. I really thought, so this is my full-time job. Like if people, you know, ask me like, yeah. oh, you know, what do you do? You do this on the weekend. No, I do this um, all the time. I left a really good paying job um, in Massachusetts, full benefits, 
did, you know, the grilled cheese and ramen noodle trip for a couple of years. And now this is what I do full time. So it's a people business, right? So unfortunately, when this happened, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, there's going to be no possible way for this to work out. And I saw other people in my industry, which, you know, it's a pretty niche industry. Not everybody does, you know, haunted tours and folklore. So it's, it's pretty small and people just threw in the towel. Like there's no, there's no possible way I can do this. And I'm like, you know what, we've got to use technology to our advantage. So I started with those, you know, Friday night storytellings and people are like, oh my God, I've been looking forward to this all week. It's great. And there was like, you know, I don't want any money from you guys. Just sit and let it be an escape from the horrifying news that's going on right now. A month into it, I said to myself, you know, I should be out there doing tours right now and I can't. So I went back. I have a lot of photographs, a lot of video, a lot of background to what I do. There's, you know, a shit ton of research that goes into this, which people never get really a chance to see. And I said, you know what, let me throw together some workshops, some virtual tours. Let me take some tutorials, learn how to use Zoom and see if people would be interested. And people were interested. It started out a, a little bit slow at first. Then all of a sudden people are like, wow, this is really cool. So it's like being there. So I started doing the virtual tours and those did pretty well. Um, At first, I couldn't believe it. And he said, you know what? Maybe this is something that I can continue to do. Our tours began in July of this year. Um, Very limited, very small. People are all upset because that's the way it has to be. And unfortunately, there's nothing I can do. But the virtual tours have been giving us a broader audience. They're, They're a ton of work. Um, but I don't mind doing it and keeping people connected and, you know, walking around as if we're, we're there together. Um, we did a virtual tour of Salem. I just threw one on the schedule. I'm like, yeah, you know, I I love Salem. I lived in Salem. People were like, oh my God, like this is sold out already. And I was like, wow. So I ended up, um, putting on six virtual tours of Salem and they all sold out. Nice. Like I got people beating down my door and I'm like, you know what, maybe, this is the best that I can do. And, um, you know, it's, you, you learn as you go, man, that's all you can do. You've got to be, you, you are forced right now to be creative if you want to continue doing what you want to do. And I want to continue doing what I want to do for the rest of my life until I'm a ghost haunting one of these cemeteries. Hell yeah. So, um, when you do the virtual tour, is that you like strap a GoPro onto you and like live stream it? Or is it something that you pre-record and you're able to kind of produce a little bit with like titles and, uh, maybe transitions and stuff like that? Or, or do you try to keep it more like the raw kind of here's a GoPro or I got somebody following me with the camera so that it's more akin to the live experience as if someone were following you through the tour. Um, how do you, how do you try to do that? So it's actually a combination of all of those things. Okay, all of the above. All of the above. So Salem in particular, you know, I... I, I understand Salem's like, you know, this big beast for the month of October. I know what it's like being down there. So I said, you know, how do I get down there, get what I need as footage and photographs mm-hmm. and do some introductions, talk to the people down there and bring that stuff back. 
However, while I was down there doing that, I did do some lives down there as well. So it's a bit of a combination. Um, I don't record the audio. It's all live. We talk about it together. The way it's laid out, it's like we're walking through it together. So, um, you know, that's kind of the, the best way that I can do it, which is interesting because one of the cemeteries that we cover in Salem is actually closed to the public. Mm. So um, I'm, I'm pretty lucky that I've got footage and uh, film and video and all that stuff of it, which is great. That's um, very cool. But yeah, it's, it's, it depends on what we're doing um, as to what the, the tour actually looks like. But it's a good solid two hours. Anybody that does the, the Salem tour, I actually got a box of postcards from Salem, so I send them a Salem postcard, oh, cool. so they've got a takeaway. Cool. You know, it's creativity, yeah. man. It's all about creativity. Yeah, no, and that's a nice little extra touch. And I got to say, like, I've got, uh, for some of, I mean, just for my listeners who maybe they're not New Englanders, they're not, they've never been to New England, some of them, uh, guys, if you're listening, and gals, and non-binary folks, whomever you are, all-inclusive, anyone who's listening, okay? I'm not just uh, directing this at the guys, but I'm, I'm directing this at anybody listening right now to the sound of my voice. Get your ass to Salem on Halloween, period. You got to do it. Uh, my first month of living in New England, I had been in New England for one month. In fact, October the 1st was my first full day in New England after moving up here. And uh, October 31st, obviously, I don't have to tell you, is Halloween. So it was the end of, it was the very last day of my very first month. And, and it was another one of those years, uh, it was a, a several years back, Halloween was on a, either a Friday or a Saturday that year. So it wasn't going to interfere with work or anything like that. So my now wife and I went to Salem, dressed up, you know, head to toe. We dressed up like old people. I sprayed my beard white and my hair and stuff. And we actually got two big balloons, right? We blew them up and we tied them together with a string and she put it over her neck and then put like a muumuu on. So it looked like she had two big old boobs like down by her waist and she looked like an old lady. She did like white and she got like lipstick on her teeth and stuff. She did a great job. She looked like some 90 year old lady with giant like boobs hanging way down and everybody we stuffed a pillow in her butt so we just looked like i had a walker we looked like this old couple it was the best everybody kept coming up and like totally sexually assaulting my wife which i don't know why that's acceptable on halloween everyone's like these aren't real boobs these are uh these are uh, just balloons so i'm gonna grab them i'm like how do you know i mean I, i guess it's a good bet but still like it was it was a little bit weird that it's like all right halloween just Sexual assault's cool on Halloween, I guess, if it's a balloon and not actual breasts. But uh, we we uh, we had a wild time in Salem. I got to say, it is a, a fantastic town to be at, especially on Halloween. If you're into that kind of thing, like what what do you think the vibe in Salem is going to be like this year with with COVID? Is it going to be like kind of kaputs, or are they still going to you going to have some diehards that are like, fuck it, I'm going to get out and go down the road anyway? Well, I. I definitely believe, you know, you're going to have some diehards there. Um, All my in-laws live in Salem. My husband's from Salem. um, So that's why I live in Salem for a while. I mean, normally it's like Mardi Gras. And we used to just walk from the house downtown. And and people watch more than anything. I mean, I think that's why a lot of people go to Salem for for seeing, you know, like the costumes like you were describing, you know, just all the wild stuff that's there. I know Salem right now is telling people, unless you have you know, reservations not to come. I think people are probably still going to go, but I definitely don't think it's going to be 
what you would normally see. I mean, yeah. certainly I can't even imagine this year in Salem under normal circumstances with the full moon on no. the weekend. I mean, it would be nuts. So, yeah. I, you know, I know some people that live in Salem, um, I know them very, very well. And they're like, I don't even want to go outside of my house. They're like, I just want to stay home because it's just already so crazy. And we've got another, you know, another 10 days to go. And um, they're, they're talking about how just nuts it is just to even get across town right now. I can believe it. I mean, it was, we were only there on Halloween, you know, from late afternoon till, I don't know, midnight, 1 a.m. And it was nuts. I mean, it was, it was just, it was one of the biggest events I've been to definitely the biggest Halloween themed event that I've ever been to. It was honestly, it was like, Oh, that was a Halloween memory right there. And I know we got like a, we got, we have a 14 month old now. Like I, I'm not doing shit with my life extracurricular at this point, just cause I got a young one. But like, I know the minute that kid is old enough, I'm going to be like, you want to go see where Hocus Pocus was filmed, baby? You know, I'm going to be taking my kid and trying to get her, you know, and cultured into this type of shit that gets me so fired up this time of year too. And Salem, I, it gets a little ruckus at night, you know, cause the alcohol starts flowing and shit, but you know, like you during the day, I mean, every single person's dressed up. It's just like this huge thing. And it's, it's amazing for folks who are into that. Um, <clears throat> this time of year, because it's Halloween, is this like a, um, is this like a peak time for you in terms of your business with New England Curiosities? You know, it's um, it's funny because, you know, I really wanted to be a year-round business when I took it full-time. So normally what we would see is we would see all the tourists in the spring and summer, and then we'd be switching mm-hmm. to the locals in the fall and the winter. That's just kind of the arc of how our business yeah. goes. Um, because then everybody who is home... They're like, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to do this all summer long. And now they all come out. And then we also have a lot of people, you know, in the fall, this is one of the annual things that they do. Because we, I, I actually do nine different tours. Yeah. So um, there's, you know, a, a lot that you can do with us. So people are, you know, we just saw um, a group of women came down from Bangor last week. And they've been coming down for the past seven years just to kind of kick off their Halloween time with us. And it's, you know, it's, it's weird right now because we're not, you know, seeing the volume of people we normally do in person, but we're seeing them online, which is kind of strange now because, you know, I'm seeing tons of people from Canada, um, Las Vegas, West coast and California. And they're like, Oh, I wish I could be in new England for Halloween. And, you know, I'd love to take a tour, but this is the next best thing. So it's, um, it's definitely, you know, it's weird. Um, I've done, you know, my best to, to keep the Halloween going. Even at my house, we did, you know, the biggest yard haunt we've ever done. It takes up pretty much our entire front and backyard. Um, I can't even begin to tell you how much money we spent this year on Halloween props and decorations. Yeah. And sometimes I'll go out there and just do a live stream from the middle of my yard with all the spooky stuff around yeah. me just to get people excited. Um, you know, I, it's still you're here in new England. Like you said, you're, you're watching those leaves change. You can feel the chill in the air. Um, it's still Halloween no matter what. So I guess, um, speaking of which, and, and regardless of like what happens with a local municipalities, like, uh, trick or treating night that they set aside if they do that or if they don't do that. I mean, there's some of this stuff that is sort of, um, like mediated and mandated by, the the local governments and stuff. But like you said, it's Halloween regardless, like October 31st is going to come and 
whatever we do with it is up to us. Is there, I, I mean, I have to imagine that for someone such as you, this is a special time of year. Although I did notice on your website that you do offer a lot of stuff that's like seasonal. You have solstices and equinoxes and stuff that occur outside of the Halloween season that still have maybe a, an occult or a magic type of, of connection that you can, you can offer. But like with Halloween, I don't know, something about Halloween just makes it feel like this is like the high holiday for uh, folks who are into this type of stuff, uh, the ghosts and the hauntings and occult and stuff like that. So I, are there, are there things that, uh, like you, uh, personally, your family or, or even people within your industry, I guess you can speak on that too, that like to do around Halloween, special stuff, things that, um, kind of make the season for you. Well, you, you know, Halloween, if we get into, what the season means for a lot of magical practitioners, you know, kind of like myself, it's a time of thinking of the ancestors, you know, it's mm. time of the final harvest. We're preparing for winter right now, which always, you know, has made October great for me because I can get in all the excitement in October and then, you know, kind of hibernate um, as we move into the winter, which is kind of the natural cycle of yeah. the earth. Um, we still are having you know, small gatherings with with my circle and people that are very close to me because it is such an important time for us to reflect and reconnect and see, you know, what worked for us over the year, you know, what didn't work for us, thinking about what we want to do next year. Um, but, you know, spiritually, it's that time where, you know, we go within, you know, we're going to start the days or, you know, clearly they're getting shorter, yeah. Um, we will start being, you know, more separate from people again. And it's, it, it's just, you can feel the energy again. It's, you know, it comes down to energy for me. You can feel that energy in the air where, you know, yeah, I'm just noticing, you know, a little bit more of the, the signs that are around me, you know, everything is, is from the harvest and, you know, it's a time of food and eating and enjoying all the work that's been done. So there's, you know, there's a time to, to sit and, and think about that and connect with, with that deep energy. And I know for my circle of people that they have just been, you know, no matter what, we still have to do this. So we're going to get together um, at midnight on Halloween, as we've done in the past. And, sit there and honor our ancestors, think about where we are, think about the stuff that we're carrying as shadows that might need to be cleared out before we get into this even deeper time of year. So there's some legit ceremony involved for, for somebody like yourself. There is, it's, you know, it, it, it is a, a complete way of life. And, you know, I think some people, you know, look at, you know, anybody that's, you know, into divination or magical practitioner or, you know, even that carries crystals, I think they're starting to look at them in regards to, hey, that could be my neighbor as opposed to that crazy person that's down the street because it's so in the media now, you can really, like I said, go anywhere and mm. buy yourself a deck of tarot cards. Like yeah. it's, it's out there more than ever right now. I think people are you know, taking that first step to see what speaks to them and then trying to find those deeper ways um, to connect. And, you know, with all that's going on in the world right now, certainly we could all use as much grounding and, and uh, you know, healing and comfort as we could get. And yeah. I think, you know, a spiritual practice 
you know, that's based in earth spirituality can offer that, you know, depending on where you are on your path. And some people, you know what, they go to church and carry crystals and that's, you know, that's all well and good too. It all depends on, you know, it's very personal what speaks to you. Um, I know what speaks to me. I happen to have people around me that think similar things. So it works for us. I dig it. I dig it. Um, I feel like these days, and it may be a product of the the internet tech that I've mentioned too. I feel like it's definitely a little bit easier, more accepted to like let your freak flag fly a little bit. Like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm into. You know what I mean? Where maybe previous decades you're kind of like, yeah, don't tell anybody I'm into that. You know, they're gonna think I'm sacrificing a goat or something. So I could see how as like people be, become more like educated about what goes into this type of spirituality, the people are no longer uh, swayed by stereotypes of like, oh, there's a witch, they dance around in a circle naked in their backyard. I mean, unless you do that, this is shit happens when you party naked. So that would be very on brand for us. And I would actually request to please join a circle of naked people <laughs> dancing around in the backyard. Please uh, hit me up at Party Naked Pot on all the socials if you know of some kind of New England circle where we can dance around nude at midnight on Halloween. I think me and the family would be down for that. You know, I'll bring my little girl. She'll dance around naked. She's into that. She's only 14 months old. Um, I've always wondered like what is meant by that, uh, that like veil separation between the, the living and the dead. And I've always wondered like, does that mean that they're hanging around other times when you can't see them? Like you can see them at Halloween and there's this belief that they're, uh, maybe we can communicate with them. And like you said about the masks, like you've got to wear them to maybe, um, disguise yourself from the, the spirits that don't mean, uh, well, the ones that might mean a little harm, but does that also mean that like there's dead folks around? Cause I don't know how comfortable I feel with them being around all the time. Cause you know, like, Sometimes I'm in the shower, sometimes I'm pooping and it's like, grandma, you know, like I'd rather, I would rather at least feel like during those private times of my life when I'm by myself, I'm truly by myself. Do you ever feel like, I mean, do you feel like the spirits would lend me that, um, like, do they know, Hey, he's going to want to shower by himself. I shouldn't hang around like a creep. Or do you feel like, you know, sometimes you peek out the shower and you're like, Oh, that's not my husband. That's a ghost. Well, I think there's, you know, there's definitely a, a note to privacy. You know, I need, I need my privacy, grandma. I'm having a moment yeah. here. And I feel like um, if it's your but, grandma, she's probably going to give you the privacy. Cause she's like, I love you, Roxy. But if it's like some <laughs> weird creeper ghost, it's like, Hey, I was here first. Cause I died a hundred years ago and I've been dead hanging out in this apartment ever since. And you want to shower here? Guess what? I live here first. It was my place. And if I want to hang out like a creeper while you're in the shower or while you're pooping, I'm going to hang out and I'm going to watch you poop. I don't (laughs) know. know, It's funny because there's also the thought that when you're alone and you're alone in the shower, you're alone when you're pooping, there's times when you are alone, that that is when you are most cognizant of the energy that's around you. Mm. And that is sometimes when people have experiences, which is really kind of strange to think, but you're completely alone. And in that isolation, you might be more receptive or they might be able to be a little bit stronger to get your attention. So, um, you know, it's, it's all, all of the above as always, but I think generally speaking, you know, grandma's not gonna, you know, poke in, in your bathroom, you know, while you're in there doing your thing. Yeah, I don't think I don't feel like I don't feel like grandma would. I feel like me and grandma got along and I feel like she would understand, but I've just always wondered like if the 
you know, like what if, what if I had a couple friends, I've had a couple friends who've passed away, of course. And one of them used to be a wicked prankster. In fact, um, the second time he visited me in a dream, cause I've seen him twice, but only in dreams since he passed. And one of the, the first time was more like a heartfelt, you know, like we said goodbye. But then the, the second time he was fucking with me. I'm like, really? You gonna ghost interrupt my dreams and, and barge in on my shit just to fuck with me? He was playing pranks on me. And I feel like he's definitely the kind that would like throw the roll of, tw- of toilet paper at me while I was trying. I'm like, yeah, I ain't even ready for it yet, dude. I still got, I'm still working on a level of candy crush right here. Okay. But I feel like there are certain ghosts that would, that would pull that kind of shit. And maybe that's where your like poltergeist type of hauntings kind of come from those kind of cheeky ghosts that don't really want to hurt you, but they don't mind fucking with you and kind of freaking you out a little bit. Do you have experience with different like ghostly personalities? I mean, have you, do you have any experience with, I guess I should ask first, do you have any experience with like ghosts at all? Well, it would kind of come as a shock if I didn't. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I guess that kind um, of that's a ding on your resume if you haven't, right? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, you know, it doesn't happen, you know, every single day. But pretty much, you know, any experiences I've had, I remember everything about them, like right down to the smallest details. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, so if we just stop and think about it, so there's all different types of people that walk this earth. You know, there's good people, there's bad people, there's yeah. pranksters, there's, you know, all sorts of people. They're not going to change a lot in the afterlife. Like they're going to be pretty much who they were walking the earth. However, there are different types of hauntings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I even have just a hard work, hard time with the word hauntings because as soon as I say that, people are like, oh, you know, someone in a sheet rattling chains up in an attic. And it's not yeah. really like that, um, you know, in, in 90% of the cases. However, I I have found that there have been some spirits that I haven't liked. There's been some that have been aggressive. There's been some that are touchy. There's been some that are are lovable. And they all come through in their own different way for a whole variety of reasons. Sometimes it's just a psychic impression just playing itself over and over again, like the energy imprints I was talking about earlier. Sometimes they're intelligent hauntings, like you said, and they do want to screw with us. Absolutely. So it's, you know, it's a little bit of everything that the thing that I try to tell people the most about it is you really have to throw away any you know, kind of notion of what you think the afterlife is like, because it's, it's, it's so much more than that. You know, time isn't linear. There's, you know, spirits that can be in multiple places at once. You don't necessarily have to be in a burial ground to connect with the spirit that's there. You know, it's, there's, there's so much more to it. And I've learned all of that by doing what I do and talking to people and having my own experiences that, you know, sometimes I'll talk about an experience that I've had and this just happened to me this week. And I had this experience like 15 years ago and trying to explain it in this presentation. And I'm like, I'm all choked up. Like mm. it, I didn't get hurt or anything. And I wasn't even related to the person that I was communicating with, but I, there was just such an emotion that was there because that's the type of person that it was. So, you know, when your buddy, the prankster is coming around, you know, I'm sure you're going to have an appreciation because that's how you knew him. Yeah. That was very true to form. I mean, that's even how I knew it was him in the dream is I was like, ah, I know who to fuck me with me like that. It was Jimmy. Um, so 
I, I guess with regard to the, the the spirits and hauntings, I think what a lot of at least popular culture tends to be informed by media, by movies, by books, by stories that oftentimes are works of fiction. Things like uh, The Haunting of Hill House, uh, which is a popular Netflix show a year ago or so, and uh, popular books by Stephen King and stuff. These are all fictional works, which may or may not have been informed by real life, uh, by the authors and, and filmmakers, et cetera. But um, I think a lot of like what people presume to be true about things like hauntings, things like ghosts, what are the rules? It's like vampire shit. You know, it's like, well, the book says they don't like garlic. The book says they can't come into your house if you don't invite them. But like, how do we know? Yeah, like Bram Stoker didn't just pull that out of his ass. You know what I mean? Like, or if it's been um, influenced by some form of folklore that may not be uh, really like the truth. It's like we get this impression that like the house is haunted by a spirit. But if you get out of the house, then you're cool, right? Because for whatever reason, despite being able to walk through walls, the the spirit can't leave the house or the grounds or something like that. They're like locked into this place. That's why I even made the joke about the spirits haunting the HOV lane after the the shit gets knocked over and and paved. That joke doesn't really work if the spirits can just pack up and leave at whatever time to go, all right, I'm going to move down the road. It's a highway now, so I'm going to go haunt 20 clicks east of here. There's a nice old broken down house. You know, I'm going to go F with some home squatters tonight. So are there like, are there misconceptions of the rules? Are there like less rules than what we tend to think? Or like are ghosts more able to move around? Like I can go haunt this guy in Portsmouth and I'm gonna haunt the shit out of him when he goes home to Georgia too. I don't care. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it, it's funny and I, I hate to be a jerk, but I, I do play with that a little bit on one of my tours. Mm. Uh, we, we have a tour where we go into the barrel ground and, you know, it's super old and so many stories are there, you know, I, and it just, the setting is great and people come on the tour and, you know, people get very excited. They're like, you know, I watch ghost hunters and most haunted and all the shows mm. and I brought my camera and how many pictures of ghosts am I going to get? And so on and so forth. The thing of it is, so we get in there and of course I'm going to share some of the stories with you and the history with you, but I will also turn it around on our guests and say, you know, as we're doing spirit communication, do any of our guests have spirits that are with them? And I will tell you, you know, more than half of the time, as soon as I start saying, oh, well, you have this type of person with you, you know, they're standing over here, you know, this is why they're here. And I start getting to that. People will freak out and they'll be yeah. like, you know what? I, I really, I don't want to know who's with me. I just want to yeah. know who's in the cemetery. Like I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, but weren't you the one that was just asking me about spirits? Yeah. If and, that was and, me. And I won't push it too, too far. Only if they want to go further than that. Yeah. If I was there and you start telling me this guy, Oh, there's a spirit. I see one. He's haunting. He's following you up. I knew it. I knew somebody was watching me poop earlier. I had a feeling I wasn't alone. I sent my whole family out, but I knew there was somebody there. You know, like I would have been, I get pissed at the ghost. I'd be like, all right, buddy. Like, is there some way that you can, let's say you've got like a beef with a ghost. If you've got some, you've, you have some item that you need to address. You're like, look, either you're infringing upon my privacy or, you know, like you making moves on my wife, dog. I can't have, I can't be having that. Or like you're waking the baby up in the middle of the night. We need to address this issue. What type of, 
uh, what type of steps do you take as a person of the living to then try to address some of these wrongs where you feel like, yo, ghost, you, you're overstepping. Like, how do I bring this to a ghost and settle things amicably without the ghost manifesting into like Freddy Krueger and killing me or some shit? You know what I'm saying? Because I'd like to avoid that as well. But if we can talk to the ghost and say, look, visiting hours, you know, don't come visit my kid at 3 a.m., uh, cause I don't want, I don't want you waking her up period. Like I want her to sleep through the night. And if you could also give me some privacy when I'm in the bathroom, that would be great too. How do, how does one bring these things to a, a ghost? There is, there some form of court. Do, is there an arbiter that I can get involved? Do I have to ask <laughs> Jesus to, to get in on my behalf or something like that? Or is that something that you have experience with trying to get ghosts to behave a little bit better? So I'll, I'll give you a, a two part answer to that. So, um, it reminds me of a really, it's its not a funny story, but it was a strange thing that happened. So we were in the burial ground. We were doing that communication. And I was able to determine that one of our tour guests, um, her brother who had passed on was there. And we get pretty granular. You know, I will give you the information without knowing really anything about you. Again, I just kind of pull it out of the ether based on what's going on. And I was like, you know, he's, he's you know really upset. He wants to cross over. And she just turned around and she's like, I got nothing to say to him. I'm not forgiving him. And I don't mm. care if, you know, and I was like, whoa. So I was like, he's going to probably stay around. And she's like, well, he knows why I'm mad at him. And I'm like, okay, like, wow. Um, So she definitely, she knew exactly what was going on. Um, And her her message came through the strongest, clearly, than anybody else. Um, So there was nothing I could do about that. That was was her story and her deal. Mm. Um, However, in other cases, um, and I usually end up doing a couple of these a month. Um, sometimes we do have spirits that are in our space. Sometimes because they're they're just there. They don't have anything to do with with our personal story. And people will just sometimes give themselves over to fatigue, to fear, to whatever sort of you know off energy is there, unbalanced energy. So I'll go in as, you know, a Reiki practitioner. I'll go in with my cards and move through a space. Um, I had very recently um, someone I had gone to assist. And in the middle of the night, she lived alone. Um, One of her appliances was moved halfway across her apartment. There wasn't an earthquake or anything. Something in her apartment was trying to get her attention. Um, And when we were there, I know it's going to sound strange, and we started to do some cleansing work on the space. There must have been... 50 or 60 bats that flew past the window behind me oh. as I was doing work. And she's like, I've never even seen a bat. And we went through and we realized some of her behavior was giving the ghost a, a, or spirit a little bit more energy to mm-hmm. be more physical in the space. So, um, you know, just going in, clearing in, resetting the space. If something feels weird, um, it usually is, you know, don't, you know, don't curl up in a ball and give off to that. You know, you have to assert yourself in the space, maybe tell them, you know, you're not going to force them out, but you have to cohabitate in that space. Um, you know, put things around that are meaningful to you. Um, we set up an altar that night for her, things that were sacred to her that she was even afraid to put out because of the spirit that was there. So, you know, you, you have to, realize that, you know, it does happen a lot. It's, you know, you're not going to get hurt, 
But you definitely, if, if things are starting to move around, you definitely want to talk to someone that can maybe go in and, and say a prayer for you, you know, whatever yeah. is aligned with your spiritual beliefs and just make sure that you reset that energy in that space. Uh, that's why I got my Buddhist being, beads hanging on the wall upstairs. I'm like, don't you, none of y'all spirits fuck around. I'm going to set the Buddha on you. You know what I'm saying? There you go. I'm going to find some aggressive Bodhisattva to whoop up on you, ghost. But like I said, I think this place is kind of new. I'm not too worried about this place being haunted. Um, honestly, like this has been the Halloween conversation of all Halloween conversations. It's just not often you get to talk to somebody who has the kind of experiences you do with the ghostly, the occult, the magical, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wild thing to talk about this time of year. And I, I want to, I want to say, I appreciate you taking some time to talk to me today about your experiences and just the things that you've witnessed and encountered and stuff like that. I mean, that shit is fucking cool. Um, if somebody wants to learn more about you, get in touch with you, social medias, website, is there anything, where would you direct people if they want to learn more or if they want to attend one of your virtual tours or if they want to check out one of your books? I mean, what are the, what are the places for a listener to go to, to learn more and get more Roxy in their life? So I really appreciate that, Jason, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show today. So um, you can find my website. It's pretty straightforward. It's newenglandcuriosities.com. Um, you can also go to my Instagram, which is RoxyZW, and there's always really cool, spooky pictures and little bits of old cemeteries on there. Um, my Facebook presence is pretty big, New England Curiosities, on Facebook as well. I do a, a newsletter. I also have a podcast that's called Wicked Curious. If you want to hear some more of those stories, yes. I'm, I'm pretty active all year long. Um, a lot of stuff I do is actually free just to keep people, you know, excited about New England folklore and history. But you can also find our virtual tours um, at New England Curiosities, workshops, readings, all of that stuff that is that is me and slightly crazy. Yeah, you do tarot cards, you do tea leaves, you do divinations. I mean, you do, there's a lot of stuff that you offer on your website and I want to encourage people to go check it out. I'll include a link in the show notes as well. So if you're hearing this, you're listening to this episode right now, go to the, the, the show notes, click the link in the show notes, check out more about Roxy and, and, uh, connect with her on socials, follow her socials, and then see what you can do about, uh, checking out some of these virtual tours. Cause that's the thing to do this time of year. I don't care if you're, if you're hanging out on a Friday night, you ought to be watching a live stream, get into that spooky season. Okay. I don't, I mean, if you're wearing Uggs and drinking a pumpkin spice latte right now, what are you doing? You're fucking around. That's not the real shit. The real shit is newenglandcuriosities.com. Get on there and check it out, people. Uh, Roxy, thanks again for your time today. I really appreciate talking to you. And um, I, 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 I can't wait to check it out myself. One of the live streams on a Friday night sounds like my jam. So uh, maybe you'll see me like popping in the live chat like, hey, what's up? I'm a crazy person. I don't know. I don't know if I'll say that. I might not say that. I might just say, hi, what's up? But you never know. I'll think of funny something funny to say at the time. I, I have no doubt, Jason. Stay spooky, my friend. All right. Thank you very much. You stay spooky as well. Keep uh, hanging out in Salem. That, that town kicks ass, too. I love that town so much. Indeed. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a great rest of your day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. That's the episode, everybody. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I want to tell you guys briefly about my people. Shit happens when you party naked. It's a proud member of the Inner Circle Podcast Network. 
Y'all already know. Get your asses to innercirclepn.com to find links to all of the other podcasts on the Inner Circle Podcast Network. Podcasts like The Plunge, podcasts like The Hood Diner, podcasts like Simmons and More, hashtag SamPC, hashtag No Offense Show, HTN Nas, and Failing Hollywood. We got everybody. We got everything. We've got network level shows on the Inner Circle Presents podcast feed so you guys can take your happy asses over to any podcast app look up the inner circle presents to find our uh to find our network shows shows like creatures of the night which is my other show with my cohort adam simmons and christian Wutsky. we talk about weird shit hitler escaping to antarctica aliens was 9-11 an inside job all sort of shit of course it was please uh, we also have the Winner's Circle game show. We've got the Slimmer Circle coming back in 2021, 2022, or 2023. I don't fucking know. we got a lot of content. Go check us out, innercirclepn.com. Also, take your bitch ass to liquiddeath.com. Go buy some fucking water, assholes. Party naked at checkout. Peace. Bitches, we love you. We'll see you next week. Low voice. I was in the crib when my balls dropped. Earthquake when they hit, bro, they split rocks. Now my girl's hotter than that summer asphalt. If she turn me down, God knows that it's her loss. Baby, what's your number? Baby, what's your name? I'm about to head to my house. You should do the same. I know you like the way I rap, how I spit game, but I'm coming bad like I'm crack cocaine.